And so just as any spiritual text will give you a whole a whole menu of values or, a, or many examples of these values, the values compass. The title of the book is The Values Compass, What 101 Countries Teaches About Purpose, Life and Leadership. Each of these values help you navigate what is important to you. What makes you tick? What makes you super passionate? What defines your mission or your passion? What is it that will get you out of bed in the morning, but not just get you out of bed, have you jump out of bed? Have you leap out of bed? Have you run out of bed? So that you can't wait to grab the day and to swim in this. This is episode 16 of Hustle with Harmeet. And you will be listening to my conversation with Dr. Mandeep Rai, author of The Value Compass, what 101 countries teach us about purpose, life, and leadership. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh and I'm your host for this show. Every week, I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Dr. Mandeep Rai. She's a global authority on values, worked with companies, institutions and individuals around the world. She has traveled to more than 150 countries and reported as a journalist for the BBC World Service. She began her career in private banking at J.P. Morgan and later worked for the United Nations, the European Commission and grassroots NGOs before setting up the UAE's first media venture capital fund. Dr. Mandeep studied philosophy, politics and economics, has an MSc in International Development from the London School of Economics and completed an MBA at the London Business School with a year at Harvard Business School and MIT. She also holds a PhD in Global Values. In today's episode, Dr. Mandeep Price shared insights on the journey from her ancestral village to traveling to more than 150 countries, while growing up, how she discovered her values through experiential learning, how do we define values, understanding values from the analogy of our fingerprints, how do we find out our core values in life, how the book The Value Compass took shape, importance of values in the business world, her biggest learnings from traveling to more than 150 countries, and a lot more. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number 16. Hi everyone. So let's raise our energy levels and with the drum rolls. Get ready to welcome Dr. Mandeep Rai. She's in the house. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mandeep. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dr. Mandeep, it's been almost a year since I started following your work. I still remember that interview of yours at Devos where you talked about your book, The Value Compass. And what really caught my attention was that it had a phrase, 101 countries. 
that's when i thought it would be really interesting to have a conversation with you and get your insights and especially from a person who has traveled to more than 150 countries at the same time dr mandeep is someone who believes that there are no accidents in life she believes in serendipity and that things happen for a reason dr mandeep before we dive into this interview why don't you take us back from where it all started your journey from the village of glosher to traveling the world thank you harmeet i appreciate it i feel like i shouldn't say from my village of gloucestershire because i should almost say from the from my village of dirveshpend which is the village of my grandfather um that would be the real village because that's where my roots are whether they be you know they're across india and pakistan i.e. their punjab um pre partition and after partition they my i actually went one of the countries of the 150 countries is pakistan i went a few years back to see where my nanni had lived to go back to her home um and also of course to visit um nankana sahib and to you know to retrace guru nanak dev ji steps where they were born where they prayed or the gurdwara all the significant so many of the significant sites for the the sikh community are uh, based in pakistan and now that the wagabad border has all opened it was definitely a um, it felt like retracing the steps that my my nanke would have taken um and so that's really where part of the journey begins then of course along with m- many other members of the community they walked or took trains across the border into india and my mother side of the family during the time when students were being were being flown over to america um went for education reasons to the states and my father side of the family at the time when you know during the second world war in the 1940s came to britain but our links to india and punjab are still extremely strong so when you talk about bind that would be the right bend to talk about gloucestershire is simply a pit stop um where i lived from the age of 7 to 18 um but all of these places all of these villages towns cities that i've now lived in they all of course create part of your fabric and part of your story but i think more important than the places that you live or the places that you visit it's the people you meet the experiences you have and almost the stories that you were told that then create your narrative talking about your roots and uh, maybe uh, the pit stop as an 8 year old you had your nose bruised while going to the school that was i believe a different kind of incident in your life you want to talk about that dr mandeep how that incident changed your thought process harmeet you've definitely done your research <laughs> kudos to you that's right. uh, not many people start my interview there but okay we will start there yes i i wouldn't say my nose was bruised my nose was in fact broken if you look at my nose now i could almost rebreak the bone and and you know the no the bone in your nose is really fragile it's really easy to break if you uh, fall on it and so i fell on it when a when a one of my classmates on my way to school tripped me up 
He was, we're both, you know, eight years old, we're both super young, and he had never seen a non-white person before. He, he, uh, he said to the teacher when they saw blood everywhere and they said, what have you done to her? Why did you do this? And he said, I just wanted to see if her blood was red or if it was brown or if it was black or if it was something, you know, he genuinely hadn't seen a, um, a colored person, if you want to, if you want to say that. So there was definitely a lot of, um, unknowing or ignorance or racism where I grew up. No one had ever seen a, not only, not only a non-white person, but then actually when my brother was just seven years old, similar to you, he decided to start keeping his hair. So they thought, why is this little boy growing his hair? Why does this little boy want to look like a girl? Why does, what are, what's wrong with these people? Why do they, you know, you know, you know all the phrases that, uh, that someone who's different gets. So there was a lot of, um, I guess, hurtful phrases said. Um, sometimes stones right. would be thrown at us. I remember one time a brick came through the living room window and it hit my mother's head. There were many bricks that came through the window, but when they hit you, they definitely hurt more than when they come through the window and just smash the window. And at some point in time, we decided to put bars on the window. And it felt a little bit like you were a prisoner in your own home. But then it's all about how you look at things, right? We could also we could also see it as, well, this is just a moment in time when we're showing people that there are other types of people in the world. The world just looked a little bit different then. And actually, in some parts of Gloucestershire, it still looks like that. It still looks very white, very middle class, very English. Right. Dr. Mandeep, uh, these were the certain challenges, the struggles you had while growing up. At the same time, you have often talked about how you get certain values from your family. You had a heritage, you get certain values from your mother. At the same time, you were hungry for knowledge. You were probably trying to devise your own value system. So how was it, you know, juggling or probably crafting out a, a niche for yourself? You know, talk about that. Yes, um, I feel as though everybody goes through this period of time when you're thinking, um, when you're very aware of what your background is, or you, you become aware of it, you start, maybe when you're younger, you are being taught it. Maybe in your teenagers, you take some time to rebel against it. And then as you're older, you try to learn it, but learn it for yourself and learn it in order for it to equip you in the way you want it to equip you. Um, so probably at that point in life, when I was thinking, well, what do I want to take that's the best of this? Um, and you realize that your parents also want what is the very best for you, but your definition of that might be different. So I definitely thought the best thing I could possibly do for myself is to see the world, is to learn, learn why people do what they do, um, you know, learn psychology, sociology, politics, economics, philosophy, see why the world is the way it is, why are there the injustices, and firsthand experience what the world has to offer. Whereas my mother would have said, Bette, you don't need to go and experience everything. I'm telling you what it is. <laughs> learn from us. Uh, you don't have to make the mistakes in order to learn from the mistakes. Um, and 
and and in some ways she's right. And in some ways, sometimes we do have to make our own mistakes to learn or not even make mistakes. We just have to experience in order to learn. So I think we both wanted what was best for me, but I wanted to experience and she wanted me to be safe, secure. And um, like many of uh, our parents probably wanted me to settle down (laughs) and and be happy in that settling. so right. yes, there was, a, there was a slight difference in what happiness was at that point. Dr. Mandeep, while growing up, you know, and during our formative years, so we as human beings have different definitions of values at different point in times. You know, you as someone who has researched this topic so vastly, and over a period of so many years and traveling to 150 countries, how would you define values? What are values, Dr. Mandeep? So values are what you value, what you think is important. Now, every spiritual text is a tomb of values. It's like a, you know, um, the Siddhi Guru Granth Sahib Ji, the Vedas, the, the Bible, the Torah, the Quran. They're all big um a big treasure trove of values. They talk about values like honesty or integrity or kindness or generosity. We could have today, you and I, in fact, I was on a, on a panel yesterday to do with kindness. It was a three hour panel, all just to do with the value of kindness. And as the people were leaving this panel, they said, or this, this discussion or this conference, they said, oh, we feel so energized. We feel as though you know, this is the kind of state we want to live in. We want to know how we could be kinder and how others could be kind. You know, we want to generate kindness all the time. Now, the book is a deep dive into each and every one of these values. And I believe that we we have all of these values within us. It's just about which one we highlight, or which one we put energy into, or which one we um, put some emphasis into. And so just as any spiritual text will give you a whole a whole menu of values or a, or many examples of these values. Um, the Values Compass, the title of the book is The Values Compass, What 101 Countries Teach Us About Purpose, Life and Leadership. Each of these values help you navigate what is important to you. What is, um, what makes you tick? What makes you super passionate? What defines your mission or your passion? What is it that will get you out of bed in the morning, but not just get you out of bed, have you jump out of bed? Have you leap out of bed? Have you run out of bed so that you can't wait to grab the day and to, you know, swim in this? That's that they would be your values. And so the book helps you identify what those values are, which are the values that make you tick. Dr. Mandeep, at the same time, we get our values, we imbibe certain values, you know, we don't necessarily go out and tell ourselves every day, I will learn a value today. Values are something which we learn unknowingly, which we absorb over a period of time. But from your research, from your perspective, are human beings really thirsty for more values in life? You know, is it something do we uh, consciously look forward to add in our lives with time? No, I don't think we're looking to add them. I think we're looking to simplify. I think we're looking to have a way that we can um, create 
not just simplicity in our lives, but harmony, efficiency, clarity. I would say clarity, really. Um, so my aim is not to say, not to bring in all these different values and you know load you with responsibilities. Yeah. My aim is simply to say, actually, what are the values that truly matter to you? To be honest, you couldn't you you will be best if you had a balance, but not too many, so that you still have focus. Five is a good number. Um, not only because that's how many digits you have on one hand, but also because you have diversity <laughs> there. You also have you also have a sense of um, you know, you can prioritize them. Number one, two, three, four, five, and that's enough to be able to say, these are my top priorities. Anything more than that, you know, let's not focus on it now. Right. Uh, so I'm reading out a statement. You don't really know what your values are until they are violated. That's a very powerful statement, Dr. Mandeep. I heard you making this statement, you know, some time back. So what made you say this? I think it's the truth. I think that um, until you've lost something or until it is stepped upon, a value is stepped upon, or until you're really having to fight for something because it's been taken away, you don't necessarily know what your values are. So, for example, right now, we are seeing, um, you know, the one of the biggest protests on earth. And why are people protesting? Because there's something they, they really value that is being potentially lost. Now they suddenly know what's valuable to them. Now they, it's not that they didn't know that before, but they weren't, it, it didn't produce so much passion that they're willing to sleep in the cold for weeks and weeks and months and months on end. It didn't produce enough passion that they're willing to sacrifice everything for this fight. And it didn't produce enough passion that they're all willing to unite around a particular uh, cause or value statement or issue. I find that uh, I have seen this many times over. So, for example, the pandemic is another example of a time when the whole world, something's being violated. Our health is being violated, not just our health, but the health of others. And we are willing to sacrifice everything, to sacrifice our personal freedom, to sacrifice our education, to even sacrifice our economy in order to protect the one thing that's being really violated that we know is important to us, i.e. health. Um on another occasion, like here in the UK, when Brexit happened, suddenly people knew what was important as soon as as soon as that break was about to occur, they knew they wanted to, some people knew they wanted inclusion. Um, so it comes to a point, you might know, for example, that um, unity doesn't mean a lot to you until all you see is fighting and friction and disharmony then you know that actually harmony is really important to me. If it doesn't bother you, then that's fine. Then you let it go. But if it starts to bother you and you really are fighting for it, you know that it's important and you might not have known until it was tested. So different values for different people get tested at different times. When, whenever we feel a threat to ourselves, whenever we feel the threat to our community, you know, that's when the realization gets more deeper. And it doesn't have to be a real a, a threat to your community. It could be a threat to your values. So, for example, it could be a threat to justice. Let's say you stand for justice. Like, let's say these farmers stand for um, people having security, people being paid fairly for their work, um, and people, as many people possible, having a job within agriculture. And they can see that if these um, bills go through, 
that the power falls into a few hands and some larger corporations win and everyone else, as in almost 60% of the population, loses, either loses because the farmland is lost or they lose because they don't get the same kind of rate for their fossil or they lose because they're not employed anymore because there's so much mechanization or they lose because uh, all the informal markets and stalls and everything has to disappear because, you know, now it's happening through big corporations. There are so many different layers of that loss that they can see and the injustice about to incur that they're standing up for what was India. They're standing up for the fact that they had a system that was secure, stable and inclusive. And, you know, we're often told right. to stand up for those who are being who are being oppressed or are being violated or are being uh, put down. So, you know, the people who are standing up right now, many of them are farmers, but the whole rest of the community is standing up because they can see an injustice happening. And how many injustices are we going to allow? How many injustices in the world? It's the same reason why people stood up for Black Lives Matter or why people stood up for Me Too. How... How many times are we going to allow our human rights to be violated? That's quite powerful. You know, I've always believed that values are fingerprints. Nobody's are the same, but you leave them all over everything you do. With that, Dr. Mandeep, sometime back in our conversation, you talked about it's good to have around five values for a person. But if I rephrase this, how does an individual find out or how does a person finds his or her core values firstly i want to applaud you for that quote about the fingerprints that's excellent and it's very true that they're unique and that they're left in everything that you do every decision you make every step you take is being driven by your values so uh really i applaud you um how do you find well i could say look at your fingertips (laughs) and you'll see your values Um, And if you can't read the little lines on your fingertips, then read the book, Uh, (laughs) because the book helps take you through a (laughs) very quick process um, that through some key questions helps you like a funnel, takes you from all the possible values in the world down to your top 20, down to your top 10, down to your top five, and then helps you prioritize your top five. And it's um, an exercise that one, you have to recheck through the questions you ask yourself, which I take you through. Um, And secondly, to do it in different scenarios. So it's worth doing it in your concentric circles to do it as maybe um, within your family, to do it within your team at work or your organization at work, to do it with some friends, for example, with someone who knows you really well, because you wanna check that your values work for you in all these different domains you know that you are leaving a legacy that everyone could see and also you also want to communicate those values to all of those different domains too so that for example if autonomy or freedom is really important to you that everybody knows and gives you that sense that gives you the liberty to have that freedom uh, in all your different domains it won't just something won't just be important for you at home it will be important for you in all your all your different domains in life. So it's just as it's important to work through that workshop or that uh, process, it's w- worth doing it through with different parts of your life and with the different groups in your life. So an example would be, 
once you have, once you get a sense of what your values are, to then check, are they the values that are serving me now? Are they the values that I wish I have for the future I want to create? Are they the values that I need just for a particular point in time? And I recommend that you kind of take a period of time. It could be six months. It could be to the end of the pandemic. It could be a year. It could be the next five years. It could be until your next promotion. But it helps you ascertain right. or figure out which which are the what's going to get you to where you wish to be, what needs to be number one, and then number two, three, four, and five. You know, so for example, maybe now health is an important value. But if you've become a good sense of healthy and that is now a habit that you've been built what now is your number one and how do we build it so that you really so that it's reinforced 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 until that becomes a habit and then you have a different number one for example and that really makes sense you know you you've made it so simpler that we can always reflect upon our values you know because this is something we don't really uh, give too much focus and attention but this is important this is critical well, it's critical because every one of your decisions is being based on your values. Whether you decide to spend time with this person or that person, whether you decide to go out here or there, whether you have whichever decisions you're making about studying, about working, about who you're marrying, about how you're leading your life at work, about how you behave in your family, about how you spend your minutes, your months, your days, weeks, months, hours, years, you know, how you spend your time is all based on your values. So why wouldn't you do that favor to yourself? Why wouldn't you do the thinking right at the upfront so that then you're spending your time according to what matters to you? You don't want your life to be just a reaction to what's happening. You want your life to be led by what is important to you. Absolutely. You know, lead from the front instead of always reacting to the situations around you. Yeah, don't be led, what do you need? Yeah, exactly. That's why it's a business leadership book, but it applies to all of us. We're all leading our lives. We're all leading. Uh, so Dr. Mandi, moving uh, this conversation ahead with you, I want to talk to you about something which is very close to your heart, and that is your book, The Value Compass. How this idea of writing the book Value Compass took shape, especially because, if I'm not wrong, you are planning to launch it as, release it, in fact, as Letters to My Unborn Child. You want to talk about that? Yes, sure. Um, actually, originally, I had thought I would always write a book like this in my retirement, that I would have travel the world and then share um, and share. It wasn't because I had this genius idea, but it was more because wherever I would go, I would write emails to um, friends and family. So I'm a reporter and I would do my kind of day job and report on radio, on television. And then afterwards, I'd write an email kind of sharing with, with friends and family what really struck me or hit me or what was incredible about a place. And these emails would always get spread to someone else and passed over to someone else. And the feedback would always come that one day you should uh, turn this into a book or a film or something. You should, should you should share this. And I thought, yes, yes, when I've got time, at the end of my career, I would definitely do this. 
and then um, it, it was it was when when I fell pregnant that a, a very good BBC colleague of mine said maybe you want to write that book now as letters to my unborn child like you're you know why not give all that wisdom to your baby and I thought that was an excellent idea and I just really ran with that um so the whole nine months that I was pregnant I was writing 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 and I really wanted to kind of do it before the baby was born I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl or when the baby would really come or how it would all happen but um I gave it my best but didn't manage to finish so um after the baby was born uh thanks to god I became pregnant straight away and then tried all over again in the next nine months <laughs> and, and I thought this time I'm really gonna finish um, but of course, this time around, I had a one. I had a child to look after, and two, it's um, it was. I began to realize it's a much bigger project than I had thought. That two or three things started to happen. One, I had committed myself to read the Gurbani every single day, um, and a different ang or page or part. And that project, I had. It was so um, time-consuming to do it really properly, right? To really understand each and every word and to delve into it that after the first year I began to realize this might be a five-year project and I thought that's okay even if I do it by the time my <laughs> children are five like on the by their fifth birthday I would do the smart thing and that would be great um so and then I thought you know what I'm reading here are about values um and what I seem to be writing about is values and what I worked and while I was working with um, my professors at Harvard Business School, and we were transferring what we were learning to the World Economic Forum, um, I began to realize that all that we were talking about was values, that we were helping organizations and companies and individuals see that when they come from a place of their values, they have so much more power in what they say. They are, not only are they more convincing, but the way that they work, um, it has a different level of energy. It has a different conviction and it has a different sense of purpose. So suddenly everything in my life was very much aligned to values. And I thought, well, why don't I just do a PhD in this subject? So I walked out of the MBA, like, you know, had finished the MBA. This was five years in. And I thought I really should, if I'm going to do this, let's do it really properly. Let's give it all the rigor and the research and the depth that it needs. Because this subject is not... You don't want to do this flippantly. If you're going to bring something out into the world, you might as well do it, you know, with the rigor that it needs, desires, desires and deserves. So um, my children laugh, who are now nine and eight years old. They say, Mama, it took you a decade to run, to get this out, which it did, right? A whole 10 years. Um, but uh, they were the instigators. And I, I got to a point where I thought, why am I doing this just for one child or two children? Obviously, it should be something that everyone should benefit from, not just children, but also uh, adults and, in fact, business leaders. And um, so it has many different forms and many different lives. Like it, it is very um, relevant to schools because schools also choose their values. It's relevant to children and we hold children's classes. It's relevant to companies because we work with companies specifically on their values. And it's relevant to individuals because we are all navigating our lives according to our values. Um, and it just depends on which, um, what language you use as to how you speak about the same values. But the, the conversation, the decisions and how we lead our lives is still based on the same premise.
right moving from a a personal perspective a personal side of values to more towards let's say business world the professional side of values you know while growing up all our parents teachers the good values to imbibe in life but why is it that sometimes in the business world or as business leaders people deviate from their original values i think it's because it can seem like when the world when it can feel that when the rest of the world is not um in alignment with those values or that you know it can feel like well everyone else is cheating so why don't i just cheat this is the way the world works for example um nothing's fair or everyone else is lying or this is the way business works um i remember at um this is the one year anniversary of the passing of a very influential professor of mine clay christiansen from harvard business school he um ran this called course called bsse and he talked a lot about disruption theory and as he was um as we were graduating or in the last few weeks of graduation he held this one class almost entitled how to stay out of prison and his point was that it's very easy to receive it's not very easy but it's possible to receive a very good education and then it's possible to become completely derailed to the point that you that your life begins to resemble a car crash whether it's um you know whether it's the fact that you're you're making decisions such that you could really get into trouble personal and professional trouble how can you prevent that how can you stop that well sometimes it's taking really hard decisions that are not at the beginning it doesn't look like they're in your interest at the beginning it looks like you're um you're you're taking a moral high ground but at a personal loss and although it can feel as though almost silly or stupid to do that because it's at a loss to you in the long term it would mean potentially mean that you will have a more um a life that you're more proud of a life where you can sleep better a life where you <laughs> look younger live longer and are happier and even though you might not have as much money in the outward sense or you might think that you're doing a loss to yourself they'll get to point where actually do you need that extra money or do you need your sanity do you need your conscience to be clear do you need to know that um you're setting the right example for your children and that those children are then going to live a life that you are even proud of you know so um I think the to your point about the used car salesman yes at some point we didn't trust our business people um especially I think during the financial crisis between 2008 and 2010 um but in the last 4 5 years as we are seeing how as some of our governments are sometimes letting us down we're realizing that one or two people with power is not what we can depend on but what we have to do is be the individual that we um that 
that we know we can be, but take that moral high ground. And if we can take it, then our peers can take it. And if our peers can take it, then the institutions around us could take it, like our businesses. Um, and all of us are now in a place where we are making our decisions according to how we buy, according to what we listen to, what we watch, and according to where we work. Um, and the more we make these decisions according to our values, the the more integrity, almost cleanliness, <laughs> purity, um, you know, beauty, justice, honesty, all those things that our, that our life could resemble. Wow. You know, I, I wish we, we had such good values in all the leaders in the business world. I'm sure there are a lot of them, but it would be great to have it in a more omnipresent way. But, you know, if we say to our leaders, if we say to us, if we even just trust ourselves to have those values, and then we said to our leaders that we know that you would, you have these two, just remind them. Because we do, we all have them. We just have to be... Um, we all have I've, them, yeah. Yeah, I've just joined an organisation called Power of Zero. Um, I'm one of the board members. And I find that we've been talking um, about internet safety or bullying on the internet, trolling, you know, being able to say words that you wouldn't say to someone's face, but it's so easy to say those words over the internet. Now, in order for someone's conscious to kick in and for them to think, wait a minute, I'm hurting someone here. For that to kick in, you don't say to them, I'm gonna punish you, this is bad. You just, you could potentially evoke empathy. Like you have a lot of power in your words how do you think it's making the other person feel? How is it making you feel even? What um, what action, what positive action could you take instead of a negative action? I know you can take some really right. constructive um, solution-orientated actions. What would they look like? And if those ideas are coming from you, because all I've done is ask you some poignant questions, you're more likely to do them. And you're more likely to um, complete that action, to see it through to the end. And if I then, you know, if I then say, well, how did that, how did that go? How are, the, how are the people at the other end? Are you arguing or are you allowing to see some kind of harmony or build or indeed create solutions? You're, you're going to talk about the wins because you've just created the wins. A, a constant reminder, a constant slight knock on the door Will, will go a long way, probably. Yes. And that's all it requires. It really doesn't require punishment. It doesn't require me talking about the, the, you know, the shadow part of you or the dark side of you or the, or any of that, because we all have it, but we don't need to concentrate there. I can concentrate on the best of you. And if I see the best of you and you'll see the best of you too, and you're lacked from that place. Thank you for sharing light on that, Dr. Mandeep. And moving ahead, you have closely followed Sikhism. So how values from Sikhism can make this world a better place to live? Your take on that. So I really want to say that it's um, it's as if, if I talk about the 99 positive attributes of Prophet Muhammad, or if I talk about um, all the the tenets and commandments in the Bible or the Torah, or like 
all of these values are in all of the spiritual texts. I, I just want to say that right from the get-go, because as you know, in Sikhi, we believe that we're all one. There are just different paths or avenues or doors to that same, same abode. Um, so it's not just that Sikhi has them. We all, we all have them through our, through our various journeys and our paths. And Sikhi is no exception. It has, it's a treasure trove of these values, whether it's in every single, every single line of the Gurbani. I was going to say ang or page or part, but it's in every single line. It's in every single Sakhi or story. It's in all the kind of religious, um, I'm sorry, historical books that back up the Gurbani. It's in all the, of course, the Gurbani is written in verse and poems um, and poetry, but it's it's in all of those verses and in all of the rhymes and all, it's, it's just, it's like a, a, tr a treasure trove or a, a values vault or a jewel box, um, such that if you were to paint, you couldn't have colors. <laughs> you know, it is indescribable, like it says. You wouldn't have colors vibrant enough or uh, shades nuanced enough, um, uh, which again just reminds us of of the reservoir that we have, like that how deep we can go. Like they say, to see koj ginasakte, to see you know you can you can go. There's no there's there no, no end. end to this depth, yes, or end to the breadth even depth or breadth. Apart from values, uh, Doctor Mandi. What is your biggest learning from traveling to more than 150 countries? Well, I can tell you that I don't want to stop uh, because I find, oh my goodness, there's so much beauty out, you know, there's so much beauty um, that people are, I was going to say the kindness of strangers. Um, you could say, oh, she's talking about values again, but it is... <laughs> This is um, my biggest learning. There's just so much goodness. Um, I remember once my mum said, please don't go to, she had those certain countries, and still now I get it all the time, you know. All these places seem good, but don't go to, and I could name some places, don't go to that place because it's so poor or it's so dangerous or it's so war-ridden or, you know, the value of women is nothing there or... Um, you know, you, you, you've been everywhere, Mandeep, but here you, you need an AK-47. <laughs> so <laughs> there, are, there are, you know, um, even in those kind of places, there is a ton of magic and beauty and incredibleness too. So I guess the fact that we're all, um, of course, we, we mirror our context and our situations and our... Um, circumstances there's no getting away from that there are certain places where it's easier to be peaceful and there's other places where you have to be a little bit more sharp or a little bit more um vigilant but that the the capacity of of people is just phenomenal so this takes us to the last segment of the show dr mandeep which i called the one minute round you will have a minute each to answer a few questions and here's the first one. What success means to you? Success for me is um, 
synonymous with some form of happiness. Um, peace, love, harmony, creativity. Um, success is having all of those in balance so that uh, so that you can so that one can lead a joyous life. One book which you recommend everyone should read. Mine, the values compass. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that, and I agree with that. I really do. So, the values compass by Dr. Mandeep Rai. It's a must read. It's a must read. Takes you around the world at a time when we can't travel, and um, helps you figure out what's most important to you. What's happiness for Dr. Mandeep? What's happiness for me? Uh, to meet my values, really, to have a sense of freedom, to have a sense of um, to be to have family close, to have um, love present, to have like creativity, magic, light present. Um, yes, to have a sense of fun and excitement. So to meet my values. <laughs> I'm sorry, it all comes back to that, and it's not. I don't mean to, but it's true. The last line of your autobiography would read, Let your light shine and shine bright. So this takes me to the last question of the show. Imagine yourself to be standing in a room. You are the only person in that room. The lights are dim. And then someone walks into that room. And this person comes and stands in front of you. And this person is the younger version of Dr. Mandeep. Maybe a school or a college Dr. Mandeep. Now she looks into your eyes and very innocently asks you this. What's the best way to live life? So what would be your answer to this person would be? I would... Um scoop her up, hug her really, really, really tight. Um, and with the most kind of, give her the most loving embrace I could and shower her face and her being with kisses and say to live life knowing that you're perfectly, you're beyond okay, that you're fully, fully loved. You're absolutely good enough. And, um, and so is everyone. And so is everyone too. So Dr. Mandeep, it's been such an honor and a privilege talking to you, listening to you and imbibing all the amazing value insights from across the globe. Thank you for taking time out and sharing your journey with us today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, please, don't, please, all of you do stay in touch. Uh, the journey's just beginning and we're stronger together. So reach out um, and uh, through the Values Campus and beyond where, where yeah, may, may, may we really um, see the best in ourselves and the best in others. Right. And Dr. Mandeep, what would be the best way for people to reach out to you? Um, so one, I have a website, www.mandeep.com hyphen rye.com um i'm on every form of social media linkedin twitter insta facebook um 
And uh, I believe my website, my email is also on my website. So there's no lack of ways of getting through to me. And the book also has everything you might possibly want. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mandeep. It, it's been a treat talking to you, listening to you. And uh, thank you for your time today. It's great to have you here with us today. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Hamid. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Hermit. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on hermitspeaks at gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates. I'll catch up with you all next week. And yes... Remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. Keep working hard, keep moving ahead and keep hustling. Because one day, your success will make all the noise. This is your host, Harmeet Singh, signing off. Goodbye.